Welcome to NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. I'm your host, Anna Crane, a licensed social worker and outreach counselor at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center here in Houston, Texas. I'm so glad for you to join us for season three, where we talk about all things healing. Let's get into today's episode. Dr. Nick Hardy's counseling experience spans more than 10 years, but it's his own life experiences that informs his work as a counselor and relationship coach. After graduating from college with a degree in business management, Nick worked as a mental health specialist for one of the largest behavioral health providers in Memphis, Tennessee. He completed his master's degree in social work at the University of Texas, Arlington, and then moved to Houston where he completed his PhD at U of H. Nick works full-time as a counselor who sees individuals and couples. His deep understanding of how our hardships and fears can threaten our potential is why he's so good at helping his clients confront and understand those issues, which is why I wanted to have him on the podcast today. I'm so excited for you to hear today's episode where Nick and I talk about how we heal from mistrust in a relationship. Welcome, Nick. Hey, what's going on, Anna? Hey, well, let's start by telling our listeners a little bit about you. I'm so excited for them to get to know you. Absolutely. So my name is Nick Hardy, uh, private practice here in Houston, Texas. Been counseling for a little bit over 10 years. Uh, Got my PhD from the University of Houston. And primarily, I focus on relationships, adult relationships, let me say that. And so, as you know, that can cover a wide range of issues. But predominantly, we see anything from depression, anxiety, divorce, infidelity, you name it. Anything that negatively impacts a relationship, uh, my counseling practice sees it. Well, that's great because today we're talking about relationship mistrust. So how in your practice have you seen relationship mistrust or what is commonly known as, you know, just basic trust issues mm-hmm. play out with couples? Yeah, trust is one of those words that we we use very vaguely. But what I've seen is trust a lot of times boils down to a few categories. At a very baseline, I'll say this, there's the integrity part of it. And I say baseline because this is just, hey, are you telling the truth? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you say you are where you're at? You know, just basic integrity. But then I think it, it there's layers to it as well. Like, do you trust someone's intention? Mm, yes. Intention is so huge in a relationship. It is. Someone could be doing the right thing, but for the wrong intention. You know, like we move cities, for instance. Like, is this really to help our family or is this some other ulterior motive? Yeah. And and that creates a lot of mistrust as well, too, when you begin to uncover things about a decision that was made that you didn't know beforehand, you weren't privy to. And it's like that changes the whole narrative. Right. Totally. <laughs> so integrity and intention. Absolutely. And then, you know, another piece to it, I always say, is just ability. Someone could have all of the pure intentions, but you just don't trust whether or not they're able to execute on it. And that creates some concerns in relationships as well, too. Absolutely. I feel like so much of ability, too, is based on who we are as people. Yes. And I feel like so much of that can boil down to, and you know, to get a little clinical with it, attachment style. It can. Right? And how we behave as an adult based on how we were, you know, brought up. Mm -hmm. So can you briefly explain the different attachment styles And how they may impact relationships. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, attachment styles and trust, there's so much overlap there because our attachment style is based on our earliest experiences. 
when when we were growing up. And so whether someone has a anxious attachment style or whether someone has an avoidant attachment style or if they have a secure, it definitely factors into trust. So if I'm anxious and I'm with an avoidant, which happens often. Yes, it does. <laughs> when they pull back, I become more anxious. Right. Which in my mind creates all of these potential trust issues. Right. Which in reality could just be a difference in attachment style. Yeah. So, okay. So an anxious attachment style, what does that look like? Someone calling you all the time. Uh, hey, I'm going to call you back. And then they don't hear from you when they thought they were. They're blowing your phone up, you know, text messages. Uh, Wanting to know, know where you are. All the time. Yeah. Yes. That's that's anxious. We we know the anxious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what does avoidant look like in relationships? So the avoidant, this is in in. On the unhealthy side of attachments, I think more people fall on the avoidant side. Right. I would say more men fall on the avoidant yeah, side. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> but again, you know, say there's a difficult conversation, you get to a certain point in the relationship where it's like, hey, we got to make some tough decisions. You see it really play out when people are dating. They yes. get to marriage and it's like, oh, right when we got to that point where we're about to commit, they, they pull back. Or even in hard conversations, right? Like when you're trying to have a harder conversation and the avoidant attachment style is like, you know, let's let's default to humor mm -hmm. or I'm going to walk away or let's change the subject. Yeah. And, and so it doesn't have to be so extreme, no. right? It can feel just like, I'm just not going to talk about that yeah. right now. And, and a lot of times there's actually a legitimate reason as to why they're avoiding. Right. Which makes it. You know, like, oh, well, he is having a busy week at work or we do have a lot going on with the kids. So it's right. not like this made up, but really it's just those things are used as an excuse to avoid whatever the difficult conversation is. Absolutely. So those are our insecure attachments type mm -hmm. styles. What about secure? What do you, what does that look like with when it comes to trust, do you think? Yeah. So I think, you know, secure is, you know, when someone is secure, they don't jump to negative assumptions. Mm. That's not their first go to. You do something, you say something. A lot of times someone who is secure, they assume the best. And that's because growing up, they have a healthy perspective on relationships. Yes. And because of that healthy perspective, the lens that they view future relationships is positive. That's so, huge. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you think about the ancient anxious or avoidant, you know, that doesn't mean that you're super messed up, mm -hmm. right? It means that you have had something influence you mm -hmm. to be that become that way. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that now, oh, I'm anxiously attached. I'm just going to always be anxious mm -hmm. or, oh, I'm avoidant. So now I have an excuse to avoid. To avoid all the tough conversations. Yeah. Right. Right. Could so, you hear people say that, hey, that's just the way I am. And the reality is that's the way you are based on a lot of the experiences that you had. Right. Not necessarily what you need to be like moving mm -hmm. forward. I mean, I think that that's huge to think about, too, when we think about our relationship mistrust or just our mistrust in general manifesting in our relationships. I mean, how have you seen things like this manifest in relationships? And what do you think the signs are of people starting to show that they are struggling with trust in a relationship? Yeah, it's so many different ways that it shows up. But a few that stand out is whenever someone doesn't feel comfortable being their authentic self. That is a sign that there is some level of mistrust because I really have to trust you to show up completely. Yeah. 
some days I'm I'm super confident. Some days I'm not so confident. I may be nervous about something. I may be worried. But in order for me to really kind of show you the full spectrum, there has to be trust there. So what would you say to the person who they are their authentic selves? They're doing great in the relationship, but they feel like, man, there's nothing I can do to make you trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we got to go back and realize you can't change anyone. Right. And so by you operating in your authentic self doesn't mean that that's going to instantly lead to the per- the person you're with changing. Right. They they really have to do that work on the by themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't create an environment. That doesn't mean that you can't help facilitate, influence, all of those good things, but you physically cannot change someone else. I know, which is like <laughs> such a hard thing. Yeah, I think it's it such is. a hard thing, especially if you're like, man, I deeply love them. I want this to go well. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to not trust me. And I don't want to be frustrated by them anymore, you know, but it is what's so true. I think that especially what you said earlier is that intention and the ability, right? Like maybe they just don't have the ability to fully trust Mm -hmm. yet and they need to do the work to be able to fully trust. Yeah. Based on where they are, what is their capacity? Yes. What is their capacity? What is their capacity? And also a lot of times when we do try to like make someone do it, it actually works against us because we end up creating this environment where it's like, well, why aren't you doing this? Well, I don't understand. And then. Right. It's like the picky, right? (laughs) Stop nagging me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We both know. (laughs) Right. I mean, and I think that it's, it is, it's just so important to recognize when we start to see these issues, how would you say that someone can start to recognize those issues within themselves? Like, do you think it just comes naturally that they start to see themselves trusting less? Or do you feel like they have to have their partner pointed out? Like if you're the partner who sees the trust issues happening, should you say, hey, honey, I'm seeing this. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm feeling about it. Or do you think somebody just needs to recognize it on their own? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, there's some difference. There's this past behavior. There's this future behavior. Hey, I noticed you used to, when I went out, not call me eight times. Yeah. <laughs> now you are. Like, is 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 this something happening? Are you worried? Because I may be, I may not, I may not trust you, but it may not have anything to do with you. There may be a friend of mine who, you know, her her husband or wife did something and that has created some 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 anxiety or trepidation. So we shouldn't always assume that, like, did I do something wrong? Like, what, what's the problem? Right. A lot of times it's just something else that they need to process, and which affects how they show up in the relationship. Totally. I think those outside influences can make us feel, you know, more nervous or more anxious or more avoidant when sometimes it's just, hey, we need to talk about this thing real quick, and then we're going to get through it. It's not the end of the world yeah. um, or the end of the relationship or, you know, that that person's not right for us. It's a matter of, hey, what is actually going on, mm-hmm. recognizing that, and then kind of working through it from there. Absolutely. I think sometimes when we don't trust our response, like as you were saying earlier, like a sign is we try to control more, you know, Give me more information. You know, let me try to control the outcomes in every situation. That a lot of times is indicative of some breach in trust. Again, if you're not good with money and now all of a sudden you over the money, I'm like, well, just show me, you know, what exactly. (laughs) Let's just talk (laughs) through this. Let me me see that business plan, Nick. You know? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, I think that once now we know, like, okay, we've talked about identifying that within ourselves. 
once they have identified it and that they realize, okay, we are struggling with trust, what do you recommend they do next? Yeah. Well, I think, it, 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 I mean, not to like answer a question with a question, but a lot of it really does depend on specifically where that mistrust is. So, for instance, if it is a baseline level, a lot of times you do need to put some of those measures in place mm-hmm. temporarily. You know, I'll use infidelity, for instance. If I were traveling for business and, you know, we're involved in this outside, you know, relationship, one step to bridge the gap in trust may be for you to, you know, have access to my phone records. Again, that may not be a long-term solution, but temporarily that may help bridge the gap while we work through some of the other aspects. Yeah. So basically coming up with new boundaries. Absolutely. Right. A new set of, hey, I'm feeling like I can't trust you. Here are some things that I need. Mm-hmm. And yeah. being really clear about that. And being open. I think the communication piece, I know it's a buzzword when we talk yeah. about trust and communication and relationships, but but literally just having open dialogue really can help facilitate a lot of the mistrust that happens in a relationship. Absolutely. No, I, I I really appreciate that. And I think that there's this, you know, sometimes I feel like there's a mindset around, well, women are this way and men are this way. And it's that's how that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there are certain populations of people who struggle with this more? Or do you feel like it's just a this is just part of life and being with other people? I think it's a part of life. I mean, it may look different, mm. but at a base, it's still pretty much the same. Like, do you entrust that I'm telling the truth? Do you trust my ability? Do you trust my intentions? Like, there is some extension of that found in this mistrust. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, I mean, I think that it's one of those things we grow up certain ways and we think that we are because my parents were never divorced, I would never get divorced, mm-hmm. right? Or even though XYZ is happening to me. Or because my family, this is just how we are. It's kind of like what you were saying before. This is just how we are. Do you feel like if somebody's in that and they're in that mindset and something's going on with them, how do you feel like those people can start to heal from those trust issues if mm. they're struggling with it because they think this is just how I'm supposed to be? Got it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Because again, that we allow those labels sometimes to 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 block us in to right. one way, and we don't give ourselves the freedom, the liberty to be outside of who we were conditioned to be, right? In whatever way that is. Uh, so I think one just recognizing that that this is a who I am really in large part is because of my experiences growing up. Absolutely. And so that way, it's it's more so along the lines of what happened to me, what I experienced, versus who I am. Mm-hmm. By separating the two, you can you can fairly it's fairly safe to assume that if this is something that happened, then there's things that you can do to change that aspect of you. But if you say this is just hey, it is you know, it is what it is. It is, what it is. Like my hair is black. Like what do you want me to do? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think so. I think that. You know, there's lots of ways to start to create change within yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need a little extra push to do it. We do. And I think that that can feel really hard sometimes. Oh, it is. I I ask people sometimes, and it's such a simple question, but I'm like, why do you want to change? Mm. Because if it's because my wife said so or because 
my husband or my mom, then the motivation to change, that that's not sustainable. No. So it really does have to come from within, and it really does need to be connected to something that's of value to you long term. Yes. I love that concept of values are so important in relationship. And I think especially if trust or fairness are values to you, it needs to be communicated in your relationship so that you know from the get, hey, you know, this is how I, you, I have told you this is something that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um because I feel like that's how we kind of grow. It is. Well, and I think that something that I'm thinking about with that is, like I said, right? You know, people, kids look at their parents mm-hmm. and they certain th- think certain things. We have a lot of parents who are listeners. Can you walk us through? I mean, I know you're a dad. Yeah, you have two, yeah little two, two little girls, girl yes, dad. Yeah. girl dad. So, you know, I feel like, can you walk us through what parenting through healing from a mis- like relationship mistrust could look like? Mm. So let me. Okay, so who? I'll just I, all all of the all of the the images of of parents that I've worked with just like flash through my head in like yes. uh, instance. Well, let me say this: it's parenting is tough. Period. Period. And so, just normalize the fact that there's going to be work involved yes. as you embark upon healing. Yes. And that's important because it just doesn't happen because of time. It doesn't happen always within a certain amount of time. So giving yourself the grace to heal at the rate, the pace that you heal is going to be important because sometimes we get to a a space and we're like, why am I still thinking about this? Why am I still angry about X, Y, Z? And that kind of works against the very thing that you're trying to accomplish. So you really do need to be kind to yourself. Well, and I think that, like you just said, I think giving space feels hard when you're a parent anyway, Mm -hmm. right? Like, when do I have the time to give myself space, Mm -hmm. you know? But I think it's being gentle too, being gentle with yourself and with your partner Mm -hmm. and who you're parenting with. Um, What would you say is a suggestion for how they should behave in front of their kids? Because I know that there's so many different perspectives on that, right? Don't show your kids that you're fighting. Don't show your kids that you are intimate with each other. Don't show your kids, you know, there's all of these different... Mm -hmm. Don't show your kids this or do show them this um, when there is, you know, a rupture in a relationship or a trust issue that's happening in a relationship of parents. What would you recommend that they do when it comes to talking to their kids about it or not talking to their kids about it or showing their kids or not showing them? Yeah, I think one thing is you you got to fight fair. Nice. And yeah. this is whether the kids are looking or whether they're not looking. Because even if they don't see it, they'll still see it. And they'll feel it. <laughs> they'll feel, yes. ooh, dad just got cursed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can go and try to cut the grass and act like everything is normal, but they they know. They feel it. They yeah. feel it. So being able to fight, because you're modeling what healthy relationships look like. And we know a healthy relationship isn't a perfect one. Right. So trying to create Wait, this. Will you say that again? A healthy relationship. Doesn't mean it's a perfect relationship. right, right. Yes. And so by trying to hide all problems and create this image that nothing is ever wrong and, you know, mom and dad are always on great terms, creates this unrealistic standard. Absolutely. And I think that's so important for us to make sure we're sharing because I think, 
you know, we can see parents all day in therapy and they can show us their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have to put on this facade or they feel like they have to be a certain way in front of other parents or their kids. And it is, it's, you know, you said this earlier, but it's showing up with your, as your authentic, authentic self, self. Yeah. Right. And like you said, those things are modeled for mm-hmm. kids and. I yeah. just feel like that starts so young. It does. And and, and it shows, you know, you, you start dating, you get older, you know, the first sign something doesn't go perfect, you feel like, oh my gosh, this is a bad relationship. And it may be, but it may not be. Right. By kind of, and I'm not saying you need to involve your kids, because that's really the second point is don't involve them in the actual fight. Right. I've, I've So there was this quote, I can't remember where I heard it from. They said, kids have a great recorder. But they're horrible interpreters. Yes. Oh my God. They remember everything. Yes. But they don't have the life experience to be able to contextualize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so when we involve kids, well, you know, well, Anna, you were there. What did you think? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I don't I, think I don't, I'm eight. Anything. Yeah. I'm eight. You know? Yeah, it, absolutely. It, you, you put them in this precarious position where they're having to choose between mom or dad, or they, so keep them out of the actual argument. Right. Fight fair. But the truth is they're going to see some disagreements and they're going to see some conflicts. And I do think something that's important is to like touch on. I work with more kids than, mm-hmm. you know, I work with children more often than not. And they ask me a lot about, I saw this happen. What does that mean? Um, and I would say it's so important if there is a conflict, to follow up with your kids. Mm-hmm. Not to follow up with them about what happened. <laughs> Nick said this, blah, blah, blah. Let, sit but, down, sit down, Junior. Let me, tell, <laughs> let me tell you what's wrong with your mom. Yeah, right? Not like that, no. But saying, hey, you probably saw us fighting yesterday. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Asking them, you know, what do you feel like you need to know more about? And I always tell parents, right? Sometimes they might shrug you off. But they remember that you asked. Yes. They remember that you checked in with them about mm-hmm. how they're feeling. Yeah. And I was going to say, I also think it's important for them to see if you say you do cross the line and like you raise your voice to see you apologize. Yes. They need to see, hey, you know, dad made a mistake. Mom made a mistake. That's that's unacceptable. Now, you can't keep doing it because then that creates this. Right. Do as I say, not as, as I, I do. do. But in certain instances, I, I do think it's healthy for them to see mom or dad just say, hey, I was I was in the wrong. Yeah, I apologize for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I just I feel like that's such an important thing that we talk about today, because I do feel like part of healing your relationship, if you have kids, also looks like healing with your whole family. Yes. Awesome. Okay, Nick, it's time for our rapid fire five. Okay, this, this is what I'm most nervous about. <laughs> You're going to do great. <laughs> All right. Okay. So our first rapid fire five is healing is dot, dot, dot. Peace. Oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful. Okay. Number two. If you could read one book on repeat, it would be. The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's going to be on my list. Haven't read it. Yes. It's a great book. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Great. Number three. The best version of self-care for you personally is. Watching Tennessee win uh, college football games. Oh my gosh, I love that answer. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. I love that. Uh, I do they win often? Uh, this this, <laughs> <laughs> this year we had a winning record. So oh, okay. yeah, now okay. if you asked me two years ago, we no not so much. Self care would be yeah. a struggle bus. Okay, well it's fine. Yeah, but I'm feeling good though. I love it. Okay, number four. 
What's one thing you are proud of? Getting married. Yes. Speak a little to that. Yeah. I, you know, it's so I, I mean, I was really like a commitment phobe. <laughs> so the idea of marriage was like terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like forever. Like to <laughs> one woman, like forever, forever, you know, but like making the transition mentally and now that I'm married, I'm like, I can't imagine myself not being, you know? Yes. But I think it was one of the biggest jumps for me just as a as a man, to be honest. And yeah. so I'm I'm proud of that. I'm like, hey, I'm married. I got a wife. I got a, you know, I'm like really adulting out you here. You like really did it. You just <laughs> yeah. did it. I love it. Okay. And number five is one thing you are deeply grateful for. Family and friends. At the end of the day, I, I believe it all boils down to relationships and the experiences that we have with people we care about most. Yeah, absolutely. I deeply believe in community. I'm so thankful that you're part of my community. I am so glad that you came yep. here today and that these people are going to get to know about you and hear from you because I always think, oh, talking to Nick is such a gift. <laughs> so I'm so glad that they get to awesome. hear from you. Okay, before we leave, will you tell us a little bit about how people can contact you, how people can receive services from you and your group, and just any other way that they can, you know, hear more from you? Absolutely. So I think the best way, if you just visit my website, nickhardy.com, I always say it's no K, just N-I-C-H-A-R-D-Y.com. Uh, you can also visit me on social media. I'm not the most active, but I'm working on that part. Yeah, you're getting some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also good old fashioned email too. Um, send me an email, any questions, anything like that. I always love to hear from people. So yeah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners, please share it with someone you know, post about it on social media and leave a rating or a review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. My wonderful friends and guest experts who joined me each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.